Welcome to today's episode of the New Era Property Podcast, where we talk all things property, what to do and what not to do. Today we've got a bit of a hot topic of how to get your property trashed, or hopefully how not to get your property trashed. My name's Sam Lawson, and with me today I've got Lorraine Gannon. And so Lorraine, do you want to introduce what we're talking about today? What have we got yeah. on the balance? It's great to be here. So right today we are talking about how to get your property trashed. Now, obviously it's a hot topic for most people. Um, they are, most newbies are sort of concerned about getting into property because they don't want the horror stories of tenants trashing their properties. So we're gonna talk about how to get your property trashed and hopefully you'll learn the reverse. So we'll be sharing a fantastic free resource as well that will push your interior design forward. So listen out for that. But first, we're going to kick off today by looking at the hot news stories from this week. And today is all about the continued drought of rental properties. Fantastic. Thanks for the introduction, Lorraine. So each time, each episode, we're going to talk about a hot news story, something that's caught our eye that we think is really interesting. And today's article comes from Landlord Today. And it's that supply drought continues with rent rising as a consequence, which is really interesting given all the news about recession and all the doom and gloom that we see in the media. So let's dive into this. It says that the great imbalance between tenant demand and available stock continues according to the latest market snapshot from the agency's trade body, Property Mark. In February, Property Mark members reported an average letting agent branch had 142 applicants registered on their books. Now remember that for in a moment. 142 applicants registered on their books. This is a record high from the month of February and a year and a year on year a 73% increase from February 2021 when they recorded an average of 82 applicants on their books. So the numbers there 82 and 142 applicants on their books. This figure has been on an upward trend since April 2017. Of these applicants an average of 78 were newly registered in the last month. Agents in southwest of England reported the highest demand, that's actually where I am, down in Swindon, with the average of 195 applicants per branch, closely followed by the northeast of England, where agents reported an average of 184. Now, I'm going to put a little pin in that there. Do those numbers surprise you, Lorraine? Are they in line with what you'd expect for like a high street property market agent or an independent agent? Is that about right or...? Well, I guess they're staggering, aren't they? They're staggering numbers because um, I think it puts into perspective what we all know. If you're in the property industry in the game at the moment, you know that demand is so high that actually um, getting inundated with lots of tenants for just one room, for one single let flat or whatever it is that you're renting out is 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 a na- in the name of the game at the moment. It's trying to choose that best tenant from all of those those applications you get. But I guess you don't really think about how many people are not getting rooms or not getting properties. And that's, I think, what's quite staggering about this. Um, and is is quite, quite sad, really, that we've come to this point where property investing um, and the private rental sector is feels like there's a, an exodus of, um, I suppose, retiring landlords um, who are looking to get out of the property market. Uh, and we're seeing the real impact of that in these numbers because we've got a huge number of 142 applicants per per registered property on agents' books. Does that mean that they've got less properties or more applicants? Well, it's a great question. So let me show you the other half of this article. So Lorraine's not read this article. I want to get a genuine reaction to this. So it's 142, and that's not applicants per property. I think there's applicants on their book as an, as an independent agent, as a property mark member. Now get this. So... In February, so February 2022, and I appreciate it's December now, so this number will be a little bit different, Property Mark members reported that an average branch had just five properties available. 
142 applicants to five properties. Does that, I mean, that's insane to me. It absolutely blew me away. Um, let me show you the rest of these numbers just really quickly. So agents in the northwest of England and East Midlands reported the lowest stock, an average of just two per branch. Wales close behind with an average of only three. Now, Property Market, Property Mark Chief Executive Nathan Emerson comments there are many factors affecting the private rented sector which are impacting stock levels. Whilst in terms of rising rent prices, it appears to be a good time to be an investor. Once other factors, including yields, can, whilst other factors including yields can be much lower. Many landlords have struggled under the increasing legislative and financial pressures they're facing. We await the Renters Reform White Paper. I think we all do at this point. It is clear more changes are on the way and it's vital that the private rental sector is valued to avoid unintended consequences. So do those numbers, I mean, that seems staggering to me. Whole branches with just two or three or five properties available. Yeah. It blows my mind. I, I mean, it blows my mind. But I know, I think you, you just forget, don't you? But you, you get immersed in your own little world. But I know that in our area we had... Um, an agent that actually ran out of properties and it sort of made the local news that there was literally, they'd, they'd got nothing on their books, everything was sold, everything was let um, and they were literally struggling for stock because they had nothing um, and, and that's not a place you want to be in, is it really? No, not at all, not at all and I think this is really the whole point is that in my, I suppose maybe a little bit of naivety here but you always assume you walk down, everyone's got that road in their town that's filled with estate agents and letting agents and you feel like you can walk down, look in every single window and see dozens of properties in each one and there's this abundance of choice but that abundance of choice isn't there at the moment. As a result, we're seeing rents go really, really high, really, really quickly and you know, ultimately it's the tenants that really lose out in this. Is there is there a sustainable way forward or do you think we're going to need a massive reset on the property market to start to correct this a bit i don't know i mean the um, the chief exec you mentioned in that article he was he talked about the yields and i think this is part of the problem uh, because yields are, are so low now for landlords and not potentially if you've got a, a single let with a low yield and you've got an three or four percent i think is the current uk average i know it's an average across the uk but if you've got interest rates at three or four percent then you're not making any money um and Every buzz, every business, you know, full disclosure, I'm an accountant. I I understand business and how um, profits are made and I even work with charities and everybody has to make an income. Even charities have to bring in money and to, to pay their bills, to pay their overheads, to do support their services. So I'm a big believer that business should be around supporting profit so that it delivers the services. It has the, um, the breadth of income to be able to do what it's it's set out to do so I, th I think it's one of those those things but I mean I I keep I'm getting a bit confused if I'm honest with you because I, I keep looking at all these different numbers now new era we've been on about from years now about the number of new houses that are being built the the uh, there was a report out by crisis and um a housing federation can't remember which one that talked about needing 340,000 new homes per year just to keep up with demand and, and a percentage of those needed to be affordable uh, which we're very very much behind now depending on which numbers you look at if you look at epc statistics to say how many new dwellings were created we're around 230 odd thousand if you look at um, new council tax listings we're around 210 220,000 new houses per year now that that's a real problem though because when when you look at the demand 
and that and that compounds year on year plus we've got migration increasing um now i believe in migration as a way of making the uk great and being bringing in um people that can help us um grow the economy that support jobs support lives support families because when you bring when you have a, a a big city you have an economy don't you so i i don't know what the problem is i mean what what are your thoughts on that sam do you think there's going to be some kind of correction that's going to solve all this I'm not convinced there is. I know that that's an unpopular opinion in the media. It's doom and gloom and we need a massive recession and a huge correction and everyone's going to be broke and that's the future they predict. I'm not convinced of it because of what you say. If we were running a, a let's say, net 100,000 homes, 100,000 homes per year less than what we've been targeted to get to actually meet our demand... The demand isn't getting smaller. Population is still not decreasing. Yes, the, the growth rate is decreasing on population, but the actual population isn't decreasing. So the demand's not getting smaller. And it hits a tipping point where potentially it starts to run away a little bit. And I think that's maybe some of what we've seen over the last two years. I know there's been a lot of other factors, exiting the pandemic, the printing of money, cheap borrowing, which is now not so cheap. All of those factors kind of come into it, but it feels a little bit like the property market's on a on a run. And I know that at the moment the you know the news is what are we receding month on month 1.3, 1.4% as a market. But the other side of it is this is a quiet time of year. December's a quiet time of year, January is a quiet time of year, and you tend to find the property market really comes back to life February, March. And you know, I always come back to this. You you'll recognize I've said this before, that there's a poster on my maths classroom when I was growing up that said, um, Figures don't lie, but liars can figure. And the data's out there to make great news headlines, but when you start to delve into it, I'm not convinced we're getting the whole story on that. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to... So the numbers we've seen here, huge demand, is that representative of what you're seeing where you are? So you're up in Worcester. Yeah, definitely. And it's what we're seeing with our, our students in our training programme. So we know that um, really the only way... Um, you know, sort of you can make money in the market now with something with high yield. So uh, with Rick and yourself and everybody in the team, we we heavily focus on HMOs. So they're much higher yields. And actually HMOs fix a, a problem in the industry because it's affordable housing. Um, we can't get, my property manager, Kay, is like, get me more HMOs. You know, she's got a list as long as her arm of, of people that want reams. And, and we get quite sort of, agitated tenants who potential tenants who phone us and you know they want to viewing they want to view it today um and we you know potentially that room's already gone and it, and it's one of those it's a symptom of a strong um supply and good demand um but it's also i suppose a sad a sad symptom of of, of where the uk housing market is in terms of supply yeah, no, absolutely. Now, what I'd love to do, I mean, it's certainly what I'm seeing here in Swindon. It sounds like it's what you're seeing in Worcester as well. I'd love to ask people if you, to your thoughts on this, are you seeing a huge drought in rental supply where you are? Are prices still continuing to rise all the way through to the end of the year? If you can let us know in the comments or reach out to us on any of the platforms, that'd be fantastic. I'd love to know how it's going for, for you where you are. Now, we're going to move on to our hot topic for this week, which we'll dive into, uh, which is how to get your property trashed or hopefully how not to get your property trash. So I'm going to throw this over to Lorraine. So we've been a little bit naughty with this title, haven't we? How to get your property trashed. Well, we don't really want you to get your property trashed, do we? And I'm sure you don't want to get your property trashed either. But also it is a kind of an obstacle that people have in their minds that stops them getting into the property game. So we kind of want to demystify this whole thing and help you 
cope with it if it happens to you um, but also that it doesn't become a barrier to entry to getting into the property game because there are some very practical things that you can do if you want to get your property trashed um, as opposed to um, the opposite of that and things that you should be doing to prevent that so let's um let's just i suppose start with our experience so um sam have you got have you ever had any of your properties trashed Trash is a strong word, but we had one returned um, probably earlier this year, April, March, May, maybe that kind of time, which was returned yeah. from a tenant who owed us, from a HMO room, who owed us over £6,000 in arrears. So this was somebody who, through COVID, had kind of stopped paying and, and dug in a little bit. And I think I've got the... I did, like, a video where it swipes over before and after we cleared the room out, which is on my Instagram, and it was left in a really bad state. There's a lot of smoke in the room, cigarettes being put out on the carpet, beer cans, bottles of alcohol everywhere. It was pretty much knee to waist height in terms of just rubbish and it was just rubbish and the tenant did a deed of surrender in the end and we got the property back which is the important part of course but at the time it didn't feel like it and then we've had a few other bits and pieces where we've had rooms that a tenant's left in quite bad arrears where maybe they've done some damage and typically it's a lot of tenants that I got when I first started and they stayed with us for many years and then ultimately when they exited it was there were tenants that maybe some of the stuff we're going to talk about today wasn't put in place quite when we started in in the same way that we do now so how about yourself i've seen some stuff from rick recently that's been yeah. quite shocking so we've had a we've had a couple um and and like you say trash is a strong word but i think we've had there were different elements of trash aren't there there's kind of like you know neglect people just you know live in conditions they don't tell you about the repairs and the renewals that are, they're needed you know they put up with the the leak in the roof that you don't know about and um you can't fix stuff you don't know about can you so there are different levels of that but we ha i suppose the worst one was one of the ones that we had we've got like a little granny annex um on the side of um sort of a hmo that we own and a tenant moved in um pretty much didn't pay from the beginning um we we were, we were quick to sort of chase um, up the arrears on it and we started to um, issuing sort of demand letters, that sort of thing. And then it became apparent the tenant wasn't actually there anymore because um, we'd, we'd not seen letters being removed, that sort of thing. Um, so um, with the correct notices and an entrance and everything, Rick does everything um, 100% compliant. Um, we, we He went into the flat and it had been, I suppose it had been trashed. So what are the lessons from this? Well, there was, there were cigarettes um, all over the floor. There was ash all over the floor. Hadn't used an ashtray or anything. Um, food in the microwave still, you know, not actually taken out. Um, huge smell, um, you know, f food packaging everywhere. And, and just really, really dirty, really kind of, and smoke and smell of smoke. So it, it was a, a big clean up job. Um, there was some damage, but not not a lot and actually when you get below the surface of trashed it there isn't that much um particularly in a hmo room and oh this is a little bit bigger because it has a, a kitchenette and a an ensuite shower room so there's quite a lot of cleaning to get through and get done but it was it was one of those where actually um it was quite a quick turnaround um and actually we got it um, tidied up um put some air fresheners in and then got the job done really quickly so from, from trashed to, you know, I think that some of the mis mistakes that we made in that process, um, 
we didn't Google the tenant um, before they moved in. So that's our top tip number one is always Google your tenant, um, particularly with your local town um, against their name if they've got a really common name um, so that you can find if there are any kind of immediate um, criminal prosecutions against them, anything that you know would appear in your newspaper. Um, and there was in this instance, and we we just um, dropped the ball on that one, and it, and it was just um, a situation that we that we were in. So that were that was kind of that. We also took on a tenant that was um, didn't really have uh, any kind of reliable income. It, their their job was a bit sort of vague. Um, I think we'd we'd done it in a bit of a rush. Um, so th there was just some lessons really from that and nobody was to blame. It was just a sort of, okay, um, things haven't quite gone the way that we would like them to. So how do we kind of um, rectify that? So any kind of observations from yourself, Sam, what, what sort of, how did you get your property trash? What went wrong from your side? It's, it's such a great question. And just on the annex front that you're talking about there, if people want to see it, if you go over to Rick's Instagram, it's on there. And it is really shocking. And it looks like it was brand newly refurbished before the tenant moved in as well, wasn't it? It's quite. It's actually one of our highest sort of spec HMOs. It's a, a lovely little flat. We actually serviced accommodation that for um, previously, um, but then we, we kind of went back to HMO because it's just more reliable in our area for that that particular flat but yeah it's lovely really high spec mm. fantastic yeah so in terms of learnings from ours getting i say trashed I was, trash feels like a strong word but actually when i walked in there i looked at it and i went oh this has been trashed and it really <laughs> felt like it had certainly emotionally if not actually and it's tough because you want to help people out the reality is, is that as landlords we often get into this and i suppose this is maybe one of my big learnings from it is that we often get into these types of situations where we've met a tenant they don't quite meet the criteria but they're really looking for somewhere just like the news story we spoke about a moment ago where demand is so high and it's really hard to get a room and sometimes people just win you over. The person I'm talking about, probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. He wasn't he was oh, nasty, really? he wasn't aggressive. He was and every time you meet him, you just go, he's just such a nice young man. And he just just needs that little start in in getting themselves on their feet, which is what we what we tried to provide. Sadly, it didn't work in this case, but I, I still feel good about it. I, you know, the big learning there is we were operating a zero deposit model. So I think maybe the first thing we can talk about to prevent this is probably deposits. Now, we operated zero deposits for a long time. And I still like it because zero deposits create a much lower barrier to entry for your tenants. And often with Absolutely. HMOs, a lot of the appeal is you travel to a new town or city for a contract that might be a 12-month employment contract. And an easy in, easy out, low barrier to entry accommodation is a fantastic thing to provide. That being said, with demand being so high, we've now introduced deposits. And what we do is on what we would call our woodship HMOs, which are our, they're very safe, very compliant, but they're what we would call like a mid-market HMO, would be a £200 deposit on a room. And anything that's a brand new high spec kitchenettes en suites just refurbished the type of properties Lorraine's describing we're charging a 400 pound deposit and those are our two tiers and that little barrier of entry it just gives us a little bit more reassurance that the tenant coming in yes there's a little bit more of a barrier to entry but it also means we know they've got a little bit more cash to hand on the way in yeah. i know that you Lorraine used to do zero deposits are you still doing zero deposits or is it a bit of a mix or how are you approaching we, ha that? we have um, we have switched a little bit more now so where we are um we feel it is a higher um, the higher end, not in that middle market, we will take a minimal deposit, the deposit we're allowed to take now, I think it's one week's rent, isn't it? 
So we will take a deposit. Um, I mean, mainly for mattresses and things because, you know, mattresses aren't cheap. Um, you know, 100 and something odd pounds a time plus the time to go and dispose of the old one. It all goes to landfill, you know. We're trying to help our tenants help us keep our costs down but also um, look after the environment so that they're, they're living in. So we're trying to make sure that, you know, we're squaring all of that off. So we have started taking um, the minimum deposits just really to cover that kind of, uh, that that damage, that the, the cleanup that it takes. I mean, it, I think it took our team, uh, George and Rick actually did the cleanup, but I think it took them a good three hours each. So, you know, it took six hours mm-hmm. Of, of time also the loss of rent while you're op- operating that unit so you know that was um one of one of our kind of um step forwards as well really i mean i think the other thing as well is is um is we've talked about googling your tenants taking deposits um there is something around the attitude test and it's interesting that your your tenant didn't have sort of pass the attitude test in this instance but but very often we will look at the attitude test of you know which is kind of that the kind of the thought process will actually is this tenant somebody that we think is going to look after our property do they turn up and respect us respect our staff respect our team i mean here at new air we have sort of a, a um a value statement which is take good care um, and we, we would like to think that we take good care of our students, we take good care of our suppliers, our tenants, our ourselves, our staff, you know, everybody that we come into contact with. Um, so if we ever come across a situation where we're not quite sure what how how to react as a business, we always go back to that value statement and think, okay, is this fair on the other people in this situation? So sometimes you can be putting a tenant that actually doesn't match the, the demographic of the house or the kind of the values of the house and the people that live there. And that's often a really important point. I, I think single lets, interestingly, are potentially more, not trashable, but, um, the, you know, if you want to get your house trashed, then you might want to be looking at how single lets are more of a risk, I think. And in my experience, we've had very little damage in our HMO units because of the the high standard that they are, that actually a tenant really only occupies their room. Um, they have common parts, but the common parts are um, maintained and cleaned by a cleaner every fortnight in our houses. So they're always put back to a really high standard. And I think it's really easy to kind of maintain a high standard um, when somebody comes along and, and creates yeah. that. It, it's kind of... Um, I have a bit of a rule in my house if if the kitchen sink gets sort of trashed you know if there's loads of stuff in there then the rest of the house is probably in a pretty poor state as well you know there's something um something going wrong in the system somewhere or the system of of living yeah. whatever and it's one of those really but I, th- I think if you look at how uh, how the attitude test applies single lets are potentially more of a risk because people have the ownership of the whole house they feel it's their home they're not sharing it with other people there aren't cleaners and other people coming in um, as a service what they're experiencing is their own private space um, and it can be very difficult to en- to entrench people out of that because they they potentially won't even go out of the the flat the house for, if they're um, if they're struggling um, you you'll find that they smoking in the house all day all day long we've had 
Um, I remember one flat, I think we had to repaint the whole flat, so a couple of thousand pounds because of the smoke. Um, the white goods, um, because of there was so much smoking going on, the white goods were actually yellow. They were stained by nicotine, um, so we had to replace those. Um, so that wasn't a property that was trashed, but it actually cost a lot of money. You, you didn't just... Um, you didn't remarket it as yellow goods instead. The trendy, like the smeg yellow fridge. Yeah. yeah. It's trendy. It's fine. It's yeah. It's hipster. Um, it's so, okay. you know, it, there's lots of stuff that we've learned over the years. So how not to get your, your property trashed is, is really um, just having good, robust systems in place and finding the best tenants that you can um, and really sticking with that. Anything else that you'd recommend there to Sam? Um, so two things. First one, just to build off of what you just said, which I think fantastic, is inspections. Now, everyone's got a different inspection schedule for their properties. And I think it's important that you do inspect. Even if you really trust the tenant and there's a high level of trust there, which there should be, I still think it's important you inspect. Now, interestingly, our HMOs, we do monthly communal inspections and the rooms get done quarterly. So in a six-month tenancy, you'd probably get two inspections in the room and the communal areas have such a high level of visibility part of the reason we do the monthly inspections as well is to get meter readings which is a whole separate conversation about utility bills but i like to be working from actuals this is something that lorraine's taught me and i've i've really taken this on board so we do monthly communal inspections largely just to get the meter reads <laughs> yeah exactly but that's a separate conversation <laughs> for another day maybe next time um so inspections is number one hmos have a high level of visibility because of the maintenance the cleaning etc so usually if there's an issue you're more likely to clock onto it early single lets we typically do inspection at six months, inspection at 12 months, and if it's really good, we just do annual thereafter. But that creates a huge window where the property has low visibility, which to Lorraine's point of, you know, single lets being more trashable is something to consider. And then the only other thing I'd throw into there is referencing. We do a previous landlord reference, an employer's reference, and we do a credit check for incoming tenants. And usually that tends to be where I find the amber flags that sometimes turn into red flags in, in my experience. So those are the only points that I'd maybe add to it. Um, is that, are you referencing tenants when they're coming in? Is that the same process that you're following over in New Era? Oh, or? yes. So there's a little system that we might know about called Go Tenant that helps us do all of that. So <laughs> shout out for um, Go Tenant, which Rick, um, founder of New Era Property, actually um, created and coded. So New Era... Um, so Go Tenant, sorry, actually helps you go through that referencing. It does it automatically for you. Mm. I think one of the challenges with having, you know, these two topics today of of having sort of such high demand from tenants for such small amount of property is that you you can get overwhelmed with the number of applications. So having something that can help you manage the number of applications, but also still not forget to do the referencing, um, to to do the Google searching, to tick off all the kind of the legal stuff that you need to do as well is really important. Um, so I think, you know, but with all of this, I just want to step back from it a little bit because there are lots of practical things we can do to sort of make sure that our properties aren't trashed. Um, but actually, I, I, you know, they're never trashed to the point where I think you've heard the horror stories where you the people have ripped out the copper pipes and um, those tend to be more, you know, uh, vacant properties that have no t no tenants no no tenants in them. It's not tenants that are doing it. It's opportunistic people that are coming to basically gut avoid premises. So I think that's the, the main risk at that point, and that's what I would be worried about. But the, the the other point is just just to build up a kind of robust mental attitude for yourself 
you know, actually, it's not that big a deal. And actually, as entrepreneurs, you know, people that succeed and do really well just cope with bigger problems um let stuff um not stress them out you know so you just have to kind of um deal with it and just i think sometimes a bit of humor and laughing at the situation laughing at your mistakes just takes this stress and the pinch out of the whole situation so yeah you probably have lost money um, but I'm sure there are all situations where we can go back and think, you know, I could have made more money if I'd have done this, that and the other. And often we focus on our losses and our failures more than our successes. And actually getting into property and changing your life through property investment, um, creating such a huge win win at the moment. The UK needs housing. It needs more HMOs. It needs the kind of um, the, the extra usage that HMOs can create in property it needs all of that so to not get into property uh, because you're a little bit scared of this step i think is a, is a huge huge loss to um, the uk economy and to your personal family economy as well so that would just be my main point what, what would you say to that sam do we yeah. agree i i think you've hit the nail on the head so well that i don't have anything to add i think that's a really good point is that the we need more in the private rental sector and it is that fear so i'm just gonna say thank you i think we're gonna end that section there because i don't think i could add it and express it more eloquently well. than you just have i'm already stumbling over <laughs> my words you can tell um so we're going to move on to a resource now for this episode's resource we're going to have a bit of a change of gear we've been talking tenants we've been talking rent and demand and that's been fantastic we have a little bit of a change of gear and focus on a tool that i found really really useful for interior design particularly for color palettes so I'll quite happily admit that developing a colour palette to work from is not something that I'm naturally good at. Some people have this skill organically. I am not one of those people. And it feels like often I find myself looking at the Farron Ball website and trying to pull ideas from catalogues and coffee table books, and I don't get anywhere further forward with it. It just still looks a bit of a mishmash. Whereas my wife, by contrast, has that eye. She's a hairdresser, she works with colour all day, and she has that eye and ability just to piece together bits that work. And it's something I've really, really struggled with. Now, the resource I want to talk about today is completely free, first of all, and you can find it at colour.adobe.com. And that's colour, you can spell it the British way or the American way, it doesn't matter, it works both ways. So colour.adobe.com. Now, here on Adobe's site, there's loads of fantastic tools to help you work with colour, put together colour palettes that are meaningful and actually cohesive or exciting, if depending on what it is you're looking to achieve. You can do one particular thing, though. There's a feature on there that lets you basically, well, that will generate for you automatically a colour palette based upon uploaded image. So that might be one image, or if you wanted to take a screenshot of somebody's Instagram where you really like all their design work, you could upload that screenshot. And again, it'll suggest colour palettes based on that. Now, if you're on the mobile, what you do is you select the word image. And if you're on the desktop, it's called extract theme. And from here, you can upload an a image and Adobe will extract and suggest a range of colour palettes. And what it does is it puts them into categories for you. So it might be a bright suggestion, a muted suggestion, maybe a deep suggestion. There's usually five or six. And that's really, really helpful just to give you a place to start working from. There's loads of other tools on there to explore, but I really, really like it. Now, you could use this to upload images of interiors you like, celebrity bands that you're passionate about, 
as a musician myself, album artwork is something I've always been really passionate about. It might be a certain album that I'm really passionate about, the colour scheme or visually I love. It might be natural features. If you're doing service accommodation, let's say in Bath, near all the Roman um, baths, you might want to pick loads of Roman images and it suggests to you colour themes that are cohesive with that, depending on how you want to apply this. You could apply it in pretty much any way you could imagine. Um, I'm going to pop the link in the description and have an explore. There's loads more features available on site. And best of all is it's my favourite price, which is free. So with that in mind, I'm going to throw it over to Lorraine to sign us off for today. Brilliant. Well, I, I didn't know about that, Sam. I'm very excited. I'm going to look at that. And I love this whole, like, extractor theme and taking a photo of stuff. So I've got a funny feeling that cushions and extracting themes um, are going to go together quite a lot there. So thanks. Thanks for that, Sam. Thanks for a great episode. Um, and that's it for today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. And remember to like, subscribe and share it with a friend if you can. We really appreciate that. And we'll catch you next week when we dive into more property tips, mishaps, tips and ideas that you can um, implement in your property business. Until then, remember to have some fun. Mm-hmm.